This episode of the Open Sourcing Mental Illness Podcast is sponsored by Nomad PHP. Nomad PHP is a group of PHP developers that value continuous learning. We gather online every month to participate in conference-level talks given by some of the best speakers of the PHP community. Start stretching your boundaries. Be a part of a group that values learning. Join us for the next meeting. Start your habit of continuous learning at nomadphp.com. Today I'm joined with my good friend Eli White. Say hello, Eli. Hello. Eli, I met you in PHP Tech in 2014, and you were busy running a conference, so you may not have actually recognized that <laughs> as when we met, but that's where I first remember meeting you, and uh, that was my first PHP conference ever, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was there with my boss. My company had sent both of us up there. Uh, it was great. Uh, what really stuck out there for, for that uh, PHP Tech was that there was a talk one of the nights, I believe it was at the Wednesday night, where you had a panel of mental health speakers, and I believe it was the mental health prompt was uh, part of it. Yes, yes uh, and uh, I, I believe Ed was uh, Ed's. Uh, the, of course, before we were a nonprofit, Ed's uh, efforts with OSMI. Uh, before we formalized the nonprofit, he was also a part of that. He was one of the uh, speakers. Uh, I've, I distinctly remember Patty Ferran also being one of the speakers that yes. night. Um, but th that talk that Ed did was just resonated so well with me that I ultimately led me to to finally go get help with my own mental health issues and of anxiety and then struggling with that. What was the driving cause of that for uh, for PHP Architect or the, the the tech conference to do that kind of panel? Um, really, it, there was a bunch of things that went into it. Um, Ed's uh, I don't know if it was his very first time he gave his talk or one of the first times was the year before that at Tech um, when he did it in the uh, Open Spaces uh, Unconference that we had. And it had definitely sparked a lot of conversations. It was uh, a topic that a lot of people were, 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 a lot of people were talking about. And um, at the time, we had started a series at those conferences of each year. We picked a different topic and were having a panel on it, and we did that for a few years. And when it came time that year to try to figure out uh, what type of panel we were going to have that year, about the same time, I was talking with um, Engine Yard about sponsorship. And things just kind of came together where it became a, you know, well, actually they would like prompt to kind of sponsor the evening and that they, you know, paid to bring all the speakers in um, and it just worked out really well. That's awesome. Uh, a friend of mine in Memphis, Jason Charns, has also been doing some speaking for the, the prompt. So, uh, and to my knowledge, he heard about it through uh, me talking about OSMI uh, in my local tech community. So. Oh. It's always interesting to, to find out how that stuff came about. Ed's been doing this since uh, 2012. Uh, was that episode of uh, uh, Dev Hell where he and Chris Hart just really kind of talked about Ed's struggles, and that really kind of kicked off uh, OSMI and really made it a thing. And Ed gave a, uh, a talk at True North, and he gave the same talk here at Lone Star, where it was essentially you know him and Hart just was the ones that were kind of did this and got this rolling at least for OSMI's end and and it right. pairs very well with uh, with the OSMI and the mental health prompt uh, trying to do the same things in, in terms of changing how we're talking about mental health making sure that you know it's okay to talk about this kind of stuff in the tech community uh, what is it about uh, the mental health uh, situation in tech that drew you into it um, well I kind of had an interesting story there because 
I had actually listened to Ed's talk a number of times. Um, I had been at other conferences, and, and of course I was there at that panel that one night. And I'd been at a lot of other conferences uh, where there were some other people, um, Amanda Folsom for one, who had been speaking about mental health. And it was obviously an important topic, and you know, they were very interesting talks, but nothing really sort of ever personally resonated with me at the time. It wasn't until Sunshine PHP conference, um, two years ago, I think? Sure, I'll go with two years ago. <laughs> um, when things have been a little bit blurry, and we can get into that if we want to, but it was the closing keynote by Josh Holmes, who works for Microsoft. And I honestly don't remember exactly what the main topic of the closing keynote was because he sort of Josh Holmes, <laughs> and, and there was he rambled through a lot of things, but there was like a ten or fifteen minute section in the middle of that where um, in the topics he came onto his ADHD that he had been dealing with uh, and being diagnosed as an adult with it, and. He was telling some, you know, funny anecdotes about, you know, how he was beforehand and, uh, you know, how sad it was that no one had noticed stuff. And he was getting lots of chuckles through the room of, like, some of the things. Like, yeah, and I even did this. And everyone's laughing. And I was the one not laughing. <laughs> I was looking around going, wait a minute. Everybody isn't like that? And everybody doesn't do that? And that was the point when it hit me that I'm like, oh, that was that was I had that same moment in Ed's talk and the panel. That's where it was like I was going down a checklist, and it was like, oh wow, I need to look into this. Right. Well, and that was the thing. It's like all of like all of Ed's talks and the other ones, and, and in the panel, there was, and for good reason, because it's. I won't necessarily say it's a more important, but sure, it's the more important. It's at least the, the bigger topic, in you know anxiety and depression and those kind of things. Given that those have a tendency to lead to very negative consequences if not taken care of, uh, whereas if you don't take care of ADHD, it leads to using cocaine and things like that, it turns <laughs> out. Um, uh, is that one of those self-medicated go-tos for ADHD, or is it just out, a, a um, typical... Uh, well, uh, let me finish the first part of the story, Sorry, and, then, yes, and, then yes. I, and then I'll get to that just because <laughs> the, the, that, that was a fun joke when I was talking with my mental health professional, <laughs> um, but was that... Uh, but no one, in none of the talks had there been anyone talking about ADHD and until Josh. And like I said, it was just, it was that check, checkmark list of like everything he was saying. I'm like, that's me. Why is everyone else laughing? Um, and he actually, he mentioned a book, Driven to Distraction, which speaking of checklists, has, exactly, it has this self-test uh, that you can do uh, where there's like 200 questions or something and you check it all and it gives you a score at the end. Um, and like, as I was in that keynote, I pulled up my phone, ordered a copy of it on Amazon so that when I, when I flew home, it would be waiting for me and took the test and failed it horribly. Um, <laughs> well, I, I laugh because I, I, I relate, not because I'm yeah. laughing because you failed uh, no, the no, test. No, 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 <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so I ended up, um, contacting a doctor, um, actually, the, the interesting part of this where everything sort of coalesced was that we had just months before this had my son been diagnosed with ADHD um, after we had been the, I think, at least for people of sort of our age, there's this, 
we all grew up with the concept of ADHD, you know, the, every single kid's being diagnosed ADHD. It's way overdiagnosed. Don't dare think that your kid has it because it, it, your they kid's don't. just hyper. They're not yeah, ADHD. Kid, yeah. Right. And so, you know, I, you know, in general, I think ADHD went from being way overdiagnosed to now it's way underdiagnosed because nobody wants to be. And this thing, like we were like, we were checking everything else we could because he was struggling in school. He was having mm -hmm. issues. We found a few other things, like he needed glasses, but th <laughs> there was still something else there, and we ended up going, you know, uh, to we're like, you know, maybe it's ADHD, and it, it was, and he had been doing better, and so now, you know, here's two months later, and I'm sitting in this conference talk <laughs> right. where he's talking about adult ADHD and how he had it, and I'm like, okay, so I ended up contacting the um, we uh, my son was with a. Uh, practice with a number of uh, physicians in it and we reached out and of course they don't want to have two mental health professionals see the same members of a family right right uh, but she recommended me to someone else um, who was there and I ended up before going um, I wrote an email and uh, for anyone who's ever gotten an Eli email um, I, I, I've sometimes been well known. I type at about 240 words per minute. And with the ADHD, as I now know why, I have a tendency to ramble on. And so an Eli email is often a, you know, multi pages long if it were printed out. But I wrote a, here's all this stuff that I have I've experienced, and here's all these things I'm thinking about in my life that has happened. And, um, you know, that, that might, lead to, might lead to this diagnosis or not. And here's the book, and here was my, you know, test from the book and this, and I wrote all of this out, and I sent it to her, and she had sent it on to uh, the mental health professional I was going to go see, and when I walked into the room with him, and, you know, he welcomed me, and he sat down, and he was like, so I just, before we get started, we have an hour, and, and, and we're going to take the full hour, because we need to talk about stuff. However, first of all, you write amazing uh, emails. <laughs> you know, have you ever thought about writing? I'm like, actually, I've written a technical book. You know, okay, well, keep doing that, because you're obviously good at that. And secondly, you have the strongest case of adult ADHD I have ever seen that has not been medicated yet. Wow. Um, like, just from that email? Just from the email. Um, and he's like, you know, we're going to sit and talk for a while, you know, because I, I can't officially diagnose via an email. But, you know, he, and, that was, and that was where the, the cocaine joke came in because he was like, congratulations for not using cocaine. Um, <laughs> okay, I see. Because basically everybody else he had seen with – he had ever seen before with my level had hit that point of self-medication where the caffeine wasn't cutting it anymore, the other stimulants, and literally they had moved on to wow. the harder stuff. Um, so, so yeah, th that was all fun. And then my life got kind of interesting since then because too many coincidences kept crashing together. Um, I ended up, at the same time, I had been seeing my primary care doctor because my blood pressure had started to rise a little bit. And um, you know, my blood pressure had mostly been fine my whole life. Um, I mean, I have a few extra pounds on me I shouldn't. And so it was elevated, but never in the, oh, we need to take care of this level. But like suddenly it was doing that. And of course, the main medication that you would take for ADHD are stimulants, which are known to raise the blood pressure. Right. And so the doctor was having me like watch what I was eating and drop salt and like things were kind of okay, but you know, we were keeping an eye on it. 
while at the same time I had now got diagnosed with ADHD and I had been talking uh, with that doctor and he was like, well, I'm worried, you know, I don't want to give you like something really strong. So I'm going to prescribe you like the gentlest form of the, of the stimulant class stuff and the lowest dose. And uh, I'll call your other doctor and we'll talk about it. And you just monitor your blood pressure the whole time that you're on it. I'm like, okay, we'll try that. So I, uh, you got the prescription, had to go through the crazy insurance because it's now a controlled substance and, and right, all that. Right. And uh, got it. And first morning I went to take it. And about 30 minutes to an hour later, suddenly like the veil lifted and I actually, the next two hours of my life were like the best two hours of my life ever because I actually understood what concentrating was and having focus was. I had no idea before that. I thought I knew what focusing was, but that two hour period was just amazing. I mean, I, I, I can't really describe it because to everyone else, it's normal. Right. <laughs> that, that normalness was amazing. <laughs> With my, I have t terrible anxiety issues. And when, when I finally uh, sought help from my general practitioner and got some medication to help with that, I gained this, this big self-awareness of what wouldn't have previously triggered me like a panic attack, a full blown, I'm just going to go sit in a corner and hide and being self-conscious and being self-aware of, of that and going, Oh, I'm totally fine in this very awkward situation that would have had me running and screaming yeah. uh, before. So that's, that's how I feel. And I, and I can relate to, to, to how you're feeling like that. It's that self-awareness of, Oh, that's not a problem for me this time or right, right. now. Well, and that was the thing, like the big thing was, you know, I, I was sitting there working um, uh, in the office and like, I was in the middle of an email and uh, Heather, who works and sits next to me, asked me a question. And I looked over to her, answered the question, and went back to working on the email without a hitch. And then um, a, like a Twitter ping came in and I was able to look over, do that. Somebody needs some help in Slack, back to the email. I was still on it. And again, to some people listening to this, maybe like, okay, what's weird about that? Like, right. that, that was not me before. It was if somebody distracted me, you know, it was like, ask me a question, I would answer that question, I would then probably end up losing the next half hour of my time as I somehow kind of ended up on Facebook and then here and then there and then I had to go check this other email. Right. While um, you weren't busy doing something. Well, as soon as I was distracted off onto something, I was distracted onto many things. And then when I would get back to the email, I'd be like, oh, hey, yeah, I need to do this. I'd get like two more sentences into it and then get distracted again. I, I literally at the end of the day... Um, I, well, I, I still am sort of voracious with opening way too many tabs and windows when I'm working. But at the end of the day back then, I would quite often be like, okay, it, it's five o'clock, I'm shutting down. And as I started closing windows, I would find five or six half-finished emails that I had totally forgotten that I had even started writing them. And I'd have to like, okay, I can't shut down yet because now I need to finish this one. But then I'd, that'd be another two hours right. before all of that would be done. But for that two-hour period, like... I could focus on something, then shift back and focus again. Unfortunately, that ended rather abruptly because after the end of the two hours, I was sitting there working on the screen and suddenly everything went red in my vision. And I was like, 
okay. That's not good. That, that's weird. And then it happened again. And then I was like, yeah, okay, this, this doesn't seem good. And then I went, red, blood. I'm supposed to be checking my blood pressure. I haven't been just because I was so excited about everything that was happening. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I think when I checked it then, I think I was at like 174 over 120. Wow. Um, you don't know anything about blood pressure. That's really, really yeah, high. That's like dangerous high. 120 over 70 is like where you should be. Uh, and yeah, you know, that, that, that wasn't just hypertensive level. That was, you should be going to the hospital probably yes. level. And I actually, I sent an email. Again, I was very focused at the time. Um, <laughs> so I was like, well, okay, if this is happening and, um, and, and if this is happening, and, and I don't know if it's like, since I hadn't been checking it enough, like I didn't know. Am I at the peak? Was there like a little peak and I'm on my way back is down? Is it going to get worse? Or is it's it going to get worse, right? Yeah. So I was like, well, I should send an email to my uh, uh, mental health physician. And then I'm going to go take a shower because I didn't take one this morning. And if I'm going to the hospital, you know, I'd like to have a shower first. And so I, I sent him an email. I went up and took a shower. And then as I was finishing the shower, um, well, and actually, I, well, I went upstairs. And before taking the shower, my blood pressure again, just now like 15 minutes later, and it was higher. And so I took the shower, got out of the shower, took it, it was higher. He then oh, called wow. me back and I told him the rest of that. And he's like, if I were you, I would go, probably go to the emergency room and, you know, just to be safe. And so I did. And when I got to the emergency room, I was you know, explaining it to like, you know, the triage nurse. I'm like, yeah, um, my mental health professional sent me here because my blood pressure is a bit high and he's worried. And she just gave me this weird look. And I'm like, Last I checked it, it was like at 180 over, uh, you know, like 140 or something like that. And she was like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but, but still, she was like, you could tell there was a like, okay, whatever machine you're using at home is wrong. Uh, but they took me back immediately into the triage to do stuff. And they hooked me up uh, on, on their machine. And the readout was behind me. And all the nurses, like three nurses, were standing in front of me. And I heard the machine behind me beep, and I saw the look on all their faces <laughs> as they were like, oh. It's never reassuring. Yeah, because I was at 200 over 166 Whoa. at that point. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so I spent the night in the hospital. Yeah, scary. Um, yeah, I felt good the whole time, though. <laughs> and that, that was the thing. Like, I actually didn't. I mean, once it got up to that level, I was kind of not feeling good, and I could feel pressure inside of me like I could physically feel that the blood right. pressure was that way um, but essentially fast forward over the next six month period of trying to figure out what was going on it turns out that my body kind of decided to say no to stimulants right about that point in time uh, to where I can't even have a cup of coffee anymore wow. or my blood Ouch. pressure spikes yeah uh, because I had been given that I had been undiagnosed since birth because I can think back to things that were happening when I was in third grade, actually second grade, where I obviously had, you know, in retrospect, why did no one notice it? I obviously had horrible ADHD. So I had been self-medicating with ridiculous amounts of caffeine for a very so, long so time. So a lifetime of that or yeah. an extended period of self-medicating with the caffeine just caused these issues is what they think. Yeah, I mean, basically, my body is just, it's, I, because when I was telling the doctor, well, how much caffeine do you have? And then her eyes got wide as I was trying to describe <laughs> the, like, 
Well, each day there's at least, you know, three pots of coffee, and I really like this Death Wish coffee that they've added extra caffeine to, and then I usually have, like, a case of uh, Coke Zero, and, um, and that's a normal day. There's other days where, you know, when you're going to Starbucks and ordering the, the Venti Cappuccino five extra shots. Right. Um, and then, then getting a refill an hour later on it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just that it happened to be as the wonderful timing of everything together of at the time I was finally finding out that I had ADHD and was going to get medicated for it was the same time that 42 years of my life of having used way too much caffeine to self-medicate, my body went Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> at the exact same time. And the, the medicine, whether the medicine ended up sort of sending it over the edge um, or whether my, I was already, with my blood pressure going up, it was already that my body was saying no to the stimulants. Um, but it kind of was a very bad timing coincidence. So. So, so how has that impacted the treatment for the ADHD? I mean, have you been able to get that kind of clarity and focus back despite having the, the fact that you can't take stimulants? Yeah, no. Um, I'm taking some stuff that's helping, and we are still now, you know, this, like I said, I think that was, at this point, I, like I said, two, two sunshines ago, so that's about a year and a half ago from now, we're still trying, like we just, a week ago, made another change to what I'm taking, because there aren't that many options sure. that aren't stimulants. Um, the main one is a drug called Stratera. It's, it's a non-stimulant drug for ADHD. Um, I am on the max dose of it that they can legally prescribe. It helps, mm -hmm. but it's still not to that original clarity level. Um, I've also, uh, we went through a number of other drugs that they had me try. Mm -hmm. None of them really worked. Um, I was actually put on uh, one of the medications. It's a stimulant, but a different type. It's one of the ones they give people who have narcolepsy. Um, and while it is a stimulant, I, I am not a medical professional. There's something about the way it works versus, mm -hmm. like, um, caffeine, Adderall, Ritalin are actually all in the same family of stimulants. Okay. Uh, as is cocaine at the other end. <laughs> like, they all affect you the same way, but, you know, um, in varying levels. Whereas this, this drug, I think it was ProVigil, um, is different. I could take it fine. My blood pressure was, well, my blood pressure went up a little on it, but stabilized up. Um, however, all it did was make me jittery and didn't help oh, uh, yeah. th th that, is what, that at all. Um, interestingly, a lot of the medications for high blood pressure happen to help with ADHD. Um, so I'm actually, my blood pressure medication I'm on specifically as a help for both is clonidine which is one of the, the oldest, the original uh, blood pressure medications, which they actually don't like prescribing nowadays. Um, and I, every time I go to a new doctor and they get like, for whatever reason, and give them the list of my medication, they look at me weird going, why are you taking clonidine? Because it has one really bad drawback. If you end up not forgetting to take it, your blood pressure will super highly spike. Oh, wow. And you'll end up back in the hospital. So, like, I have wow. to take my dose every night and make sure that I don't forget that. So, that helps some. It specifically helps shut down my mind in the evenings when I need to get to bed. And that's mm -hmm. sort of, so, like, I, I take what would normally be a dose you take three times throughout the day. I take mm -hmm. the entire dose. Oh, wow. At night to sort of 
get me to shut down. The Stratera helps during the day. Um, I'm also now on Wellbutrin because it turns out it can help with ADHD some, mm -hmm. um, and it is helping some more, but we've still not found anything, given that I can't have the stimulants, that have given me my, that magical two hours <laughs> of, of clarity back again. <laughs> that's, that's unfortunate, yeah, and that's, I imagine that's really frustrating. It, yeah, it is. Um, I had actually, I didn't realize that the Wellbutrin was even helping because it turns out it's a very subtle drug. Um, and had not that long ago talked to my doctor going like, all right, like we had ramped up the dosage a few times and I'm like, yeah, this, it doesn't seem to really be helping. And there's a few side effects and it's okay if I go off. He's like, yeah, let me give you a small dose for a week to go off of it. By the end of that, I was, I immediately called him back and said, can I go back on please? Oh, so <laughs> it was noticeable it once turned, you went, yes, went when off, I went yeah. off of that, it turns out it was helping a fair bit, but it's just, it was such a like the Stratera. As we went up each level, there was almost instant extra level of clarity. The well right. was just this gentle curve. Um, so things are better now, kind of, but it's, it's weird because now I'm in a position where I know I have ADHD. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to not have it for two right, hours. For two hours, yeah. And it, I actually, there was a period of time when I was doing very well, and that, that was when I was on the Stratera, and I was still having caffeine because for a while that was still okay, but my blood pressure kept going up. And like, and the doctor's like, okay, we gotta figure out some of your blood pressure because I was on the anti-blood pressure medication. I was on clonidine at that point, clonidine plus stratera plus caffeine. And they're like, okay, we're gonna have to figure something out. You know, why is your blood pressure still going up? And at one point I realized, I went and looked at my chart where I've been tracking my blood pressure and I correlated it with when I knew I was having coffee, and I went, wait a minute. Oh, it all matched up. <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, okay, let me go like two days without coffee and take my blood pressure, then go two, two days back on coffee and take it, and it was immediately like, yep, that's it. And I, right. I went and talked to my primary care physician, and I was like, all right, well, here's what I found. And she's like, well, you know what that means? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> caffeine. No caffeine. Um, and actually, since then, now that I've been off of it, I found that if I have too much chocolate, like... Because there's caffeine in chocolate. caffeine, right? yeah. And like, you know... Very low amounts, but... Yeah, but if I have enough of it, like suddenly, you know, I, I can feel... Having having had my blood pressure at 200 over 166 for a while, I know the feeling now of... Right. <laughs> um, I have blood pressure, and like, I can feel it. I was traveling, uh, again, doing a lot of traveling to conferences. Uh, Pacific Northwest. I was flying home from there and, and from Seattle. And I was in the airport, I was thirsty, I want something to drink, dang it, I can't have caffeine. And like everything around was, and I'm like, you know, and I was walking around the airport, Pokemoning, um, trying to just figure out, and I, and I walked past and there was a custom uh, cocoa stand uh, from some local chocolatier where they, and they made mochas and other things, and they had, I'll get a decaf mocha. That'll be tasty and it'll be fine. Turns out their version of a decaf mocha was like a shot of decaf espresso and then 16 ounces of liquid chocolate. Wow, yeah, which will be a nice caffeine jolt for you. Yeah, well, it, it was delicious, and I got <laughs> halfway through the cup, and I went, oh, shit, I don't feel good. Ooh. And I, I, I put it down, didn't drink the rest, got on the plane, flew the five-hour flight back home, took the hour drive from the airport to my house, Walked in the house, sat down, took my blood pressure. It was still up. 
Um, so, so yeah, so, so <coughs> my mental health professional is still working on trying to find a combination of stuff. He's actually doing a bunch of research and contacting um, a number of professors at the university where he studied to try to see if there's other things that might be possible. <coughs> um, there had been some research at one point back in like the 70s or 80s about using higher dosages of Stratera, mm -hmm. but technically without getting like a <laughs> higher up doctor to sign off on that. If, <coughs> if he just wrote me an extra script for it, uh, the, they, the insurance wouldn't fill it. And uh, he would like to actually find out that how safe that is. Yeah, they're, they're kind of funny about those prescriptions, as I found yeah. out with uh, a couple of the things that I'm on. And when you run out of prescriptions, they have to call the doctor and be like, are you sure you should still have these? And it's stuff that like is for anxiety. And I'm looking at the watch going, I only have two more days. What are you going to do? And yeah, I don't want to take the anxiety medication because I, what if I run out and then I'm, uh, it's this whole yeah. panic attacks on top of it. So yeah. 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 And th that, that one's fun <laughs> with me now, given that I am on the clonidine because I have to make sure I don't run out because a couple times it's been, I go to, go to take my medicine at night and I'm like, I only have two doses yet left. It's Friday evening. Yeah. That's... Uh, and so, you know, when you're making the emergency calls to your doctor line just to be like, I need a script called in today. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I've been there. I, was, uh, I haven't officially been diagnosed with anything other than just anxiety disorders, but uh, I also found out I was diabetic at the same time. So I got put on a bunch of drugs at one time, <laughs> and that was a severe uh, adjustment to my body. But... Yeah. Uh, luckily enough, uh, I, I have overcome, well, I've come a long way. So I have ne haven't had nearly the bad trouble you've had, uh, especially with the blood pressure. I also had high blood pressure, which was another fun thing. And my doctor gave me something for the blood pressure, and then he also gave me clonidine. But he said, only take this uh, if it's over 170. So for like <laughs> three and a half months, I just... I checked my blood pressure every day, yeah. sometimes twice a day, just to make sure. And I, I never got, I never ever got that high again because I was on the other medication. So nice. I, 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 I can uh, empathize greatly with the blood pressure issues. Yeah. And luckily, and this is where it all comes down to, as far as the doctors are concerned, it's just I abused caffeine for so long that right. my body has just now, at forty three, shut down for it, because my son is taking the you know normal. ADHD medicine, and in fact, he is currently on the exact same medicine that I had taken, <laughs> and he's doing wonderful on it. Uh, so, so how? So you work for yourself, or, you, or your your wife is the president of the company you work for. So right. you, you have a unique work situation. Do you feel like the mental health issues have been a problem at work? Because even before you you, you two started all for one events, when you were working for Peachtree Architect, you at least had more coworkers there. Were the mental health issues? I mean, obviously they affected your job, but were they a concern? Was it a an issue with, with the day job, as a lot of people tend to, 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 to tell us about it at, at OSME? Right. Um, it was, but I didn't realize it was. It's one mm -hmm. of those, in retrospect, I suddenly realized all the things that had been happening my whole life. And, and there's definitely a lot of... I wonder where I would be had I been diagnosed 20 years ago. And could have changed something? Yeah, and um, could have actually, because I, that being said, I've done very well in my career. Mm -hmm. I've um, had a good run, as it were, <laughs> but I now realize I was doing all of that handicapped. The hard way. Yeah. Yes. And you know, so there's this, like, what the heck might have happened had I actually been medicated? Um, but no, I had, you know, I can think of many times, you know, at previous jobs, uh, there were 
I'll just bring up two things, for example. Um, when I worked back at the Hubble Space Telescope program, uh, I was there for seven years. One of the reasons why, in retrospect, I really liked working there was that it was a super low-stress environment where if I happened to w go in in the morning and then at 5 p.m. went, oh, it's time to go home and realize I hadn't actually touched a stitch of work because I had just been ADDing around the entire day and like looking at random stuff on the internet and then checking my email and then going and getting a coffee. Or just looking at all the Hubble pictures yeah. that came in the next, the previous day. Exactly. Yeah. And, but, and, and that literally happened a number of times, but that they were okay-ish with it. Um, I know I had talked with my boss at the time a bit about a few times. He's like, as long as your work's getting done, you know, that's the cool part. And it was a very, you know, we would have a week. Okay, we have a week to work on this, and that's your task. And it's something that would take a day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I'd get it done, <laughs> right? but very distractedly. Um, and so, like, I know things like that happened a lot. Um, I also now know um, there was a job I had that I enjoyed, but it completely stressed me out. Uh, and that was actually when I was working for Zend as their evangelist. Um, and w what it was was that as their evangelist, I had 30 different top priorities. You know, I had always before that, I was a programmer. He right. gave me my list of tickets. <laughs> yeah. I knew what I had to hit. I'd hit them in the lit as I went. And like that was my only thing I had to focus on. As I got distracted on random shit, that was the one thing I only one thing I had to bring my focus back to. When I was an evangelist, I was helping run their conference, plan their conference. I had a blog that I had to get articles, I had to commission articles for, I had to get people paid, I had a podcast I was running, I had to get people on that, I had to record the podcast, I had to maintain the blog. There were I also had to just like be in IRC all day because I was the evangelist and needed to be there for people to talk to. Right. And so like outreach. Yeah, I had all these different things that I had to kind of do all of them every single day. And at the end of every day, I was just so wound up and I was just frustrated and I didn't feel like I'd gotten anything done uh, because I had like touched on a little bit of all of it, but I never got anything done. And like, I now realize that it was the ADD just self-defeating me there because I needed to be able to focus on this, now go focus on this, now focus on that. Right. And I couldn't, because as soon as I would start doing one, in the back of my mind, three things for three of the others would pop up. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I needed to do that. And as soon as I get halfway towards, like, oh, yeah, I needed to write an email to this person. So I'll go over there, I'll hit new email, I'll type their address in, I'll start typing the title, and then I'm like, oh, wait, but I needed to get that podcast going. And it was, again, one of the situations where at the end of the day, I had 300 windows open on my computer, nothing actually got completed, the bosses were yelling at me, why isn't stuff getting done? Mm -hmm. And it was part, there were other reasons in the end, um, but it was part of why when they decided to get rid of the evangelist position, I kind of was like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll go find something else. And the funny part is that now I'm doing that exact same job basically, uh, but for myself. But now that I have the medication, now that mm -hmm. I know what's going on, I'm not getting all stressed out. And I was before I got diagnosed. That was something that had started to happen again is I was finding myself super frustrated at the end of the day, every day. And there was this, can I do this? Can we do this as a business uh, um, and as a couple with my wife and I? 
Right. Because every single day was ending in just this stress and and frustration. It was really just the, a frustration stress of the days at the end, we're trying to run three conferences at the same time. <laughs> I have five million windows open. I have six unfinished emails. I'm not getting anything done. What the bleep? Um, and so getting the diagnosis and starting down this unfortunately super awkward and still being figured out path of sure. medication oh, absolutely. Um, has completely changed that, you know, changed that around. Um, as it stands right now, like on the medication, where, where I am in my medication cycle, I do worry that if for any reason, knock on wood, it's not going to happen. If for any reason we would end up uh, having to shut down the whole doing our own business thing, I'm not sure how well I would fit back into a sort of normal corporate job at the moment. Right. Because I drank so much caffeine when I was at work specifically to help Absolutely. keep me going. And now I can't have that. Especially because the break rooms are stocked with fancy coffee machines and it's just exactly. all, you can, all you can drink. Yeah. Yep. So what advice would you have for anybody that uh, is sitting here listening to us talk? And like what we were talking about where you resonated really well with Josh Holmes, I resonated really well. Uh, with Ed's uh, talk at Tech, what advice right. would you have for somebody who's sitting here just checking off that checklist, listening to us? Um, I mean, specifically, if you're checking off that checklist in terms of the ADD, um, if you do things like I did in college where I drank, I would drink every night an entire two liter of Mountain Dew right before going to bed because it made me sleep better. Wow. Again, things that someone should have went, dude, you have ADD. Um, but if, yeah, if, if any of those check marks are starting to go off, I do highly recommend you go on Amazon and, and get a copy of the book Driven to Distraction. It is just an amazing book because uh, not only that does it have the section in there of the self-assessment test, it just has tons of information. Um, it, it's really a great resource. Uh, my, my mental health professional didn't know about it and now owns a copy. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, um, and, and so I would really recommend that as, as a great first step to – to do that, and at the same time, if you if you have someone in your life who, whether you think they have ADHD or you know they do, getting that book is also great because about half of the book, half of the book is the do you have it. The other half is how do you help someone who does have it, and how do mm -hmm. you you know learn to live with them and help things go. And so it's it's a really useful resource. That's awesome. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, we appreciate it, uh, and thanks uh, for listening.